Hey, dear friends, happy Canada Day long weekend. As we're not meeting in person this Sunday, I've had it on my heart to send out this Canada Day blessing to all of you. Uh, whether or not you're, you're viewing this on July the 1st, or with family and friends, you decide to watch it together during our regular scheduled service time this Sunday morning, July the 3rd or some other time. I also wanted to name that over the past few years, there's been a shadow over Canada Day and a hesitance in our celebration, and for good reason. Last year, our flags were flying at half-mast due to the recent discovery of the remains of missing children on the site of the Kamloops Residential School and then other sites across Canada. And as a nation, we went into this collective grief over how such a thing could happen in our land. And so when we came to Canada Day last year, it felt more like a national day of mourning. And this has been compounded this year. Many are feeling reluctant to get too jubilant to raise our flag because we feel our flag has been hijacked by the so-called Freedom Convoy that converged on Ottawa a few months ago and has been threatening to do so again this July the 1st. And so we feel like we don't wanna be identified with this uh, sense of bullying and harassment and rhetoric of entitlement uh, that most Canadians associate with this movement. Yet even all this gives us, I think, occasion to celebrate because we live in a country that is so blessed. We're the envy of the world, if you think about it. We're free to celebrate our blessings, yet at the same time, we're free to be honest and to name our painful past and to name where we've been wrong and to hold disagreements without tearing our country apart. Because instinctively, we feel at a deep level, we share this common humanity that transcends our differences. Yes, we have a lot of hard work to do and a long road ahead of us in this journey towards healing and reconciliation. And there are many difficult conversations yet to be had. But even that gives us cause to celebrate because we live in a place where we can even have those conversations. This Sunday, July the 3rd, is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost in the Christian year in what we call ordinary time. And as we enter into summer, we're continuing our teaching theme, reconnecting and regathering, following the lectionary in our church calendar. And, our and we're reading readings that we share with hundreds of millions of Christians around the world of every stripe, every culture, every denomination or non-denomination. And our teaching theme is correlating with this season that we're in as the worldwide church of beginning to regather again after a global pandemic that has impacted the worldwide church significantly as it has our own church. And as we've begun to gather, we've had this sense, and this is again universal, that we can't go back to the way things were as the church. And we're not quite sure how things will be except that we have this deep inner knowing that God is at work in all of us. 
And, and that part of this is to invest highly in this reconnecting and regathering uh, and to really harness our energies towards relational connection, both within and, and with our community. So for that reason, on the second and fourth Sundays for the foreseeable future of each month, we're, we're having what we call simple church, a short, simple service of no more than half an hour, and then giving space to connect. This might be just through forming small groups together in the auditorium or in the summer going to a picnic or like last week, having a church work party to beautify our, our meeting space. And what a wonderful time that was. Thanks to everybody who came out and participated, how special it was just to sit and have lunch together afterwards. And I literally basked in the afterglow of that time for the rest of the day. It was so special just to be together. And just before our work party started, I shared a message last week that I wanted to quickly recap as part of my Canada Day blessing. I talked about Elijah just before he was about to be taken up into heaven, this flamboyant prophet of God, maybe the most famous of the Old Testament, who lived in the land of Israel at about 9th century BC. And he was famous for calling down fire from heaven and showing that Yahweh was God and that Baal was a false, false God. And he was about to be taken up into heaven. His time, his sojourn on earth was almost done. And he's about to be taken up to heaven. And this story I mentioned, speaks so significantly to the season that we're in as a church, as it describes a season of transition between one generation and the next. And this isn't only true of our church. This, again, is a worldwide phenomenon. There's this generational shift going on of leadership, of younger leaders taking on the mantle uh, of the Elijahs that are, are ending this season. So many of my colleagues are either retiring or transitioning to another area from lead pastoring, or they're talking about how, like we are, how to do that. And we're also not only talking about the who, but the what. What is this next generation of leadership going to look like? You think about it, the era of Elijah was very isolated, a very solitary model of leadership, where he was kind of like this charismatic individual figure, but it was very lonely and depressing. And there was times he complained to God that he was the only one. You ever felt that way? But that this new era was going to be a school of prophets where they would be in community together. And we see that in the, in the life of Elijah, time of community, or Elisha, time of community and connection. But sometime prior to all this story, God had instructed Elijah to enlist Elisha as a successor. And to take a season to mentor and train them, which occurred primarily by them sharing life together. And the most effective succession occurs when generations run together, as it were. In a, if you think about a relay race, there's that season where the baton is passed, but the two runners run together. That's the image I have. And it's like the generations run together or serve together. And the church always loses the next generation unless children and youth are given meaningful engagement and responsibility in the mission of the church, in the vision of the church. We saw a beautiful picture of this last Sunday, didn't we? As the generations that came served together in our church work party. It was 
so blessed as I poked my head into the chapel and I saw the children working with Joanna and Francis as they were fixing up the chapel area for their younger kids' church on Sunday and for me offering spiritual direction on in the weekdays. And it's, it's also my office area. They were washing the walls and the furniture and the room smelled so wonderful, better than I've ever smelled it. And then there was Matt and his team of, of youth working on the, on the youth room. And then others of you working throughout the sanctuary and the garden. It was just so fun and huge shout out to Roland for helping set up my office. It's kind of a different generation. This is significant in passing on the story in a way that our children and youth know that it's their story. They are in the story. It's not just somebody else's story being told to them, but they are in the story. This is how succession happens. Now, we mentioned that two times in this story, Elijah turned to Elisha and, he's, and he said, stay here, the Gilgal and Bethel. And two times Elisha responded, no, as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And the kingdom of God always must be about invitation, never coercion, never guilt, never the language of should and ought and must, but rather invitation. We get to. And Elisha was given this invitation by Elijah, but he could opt out at any time, but he said, no. I know what I want. I've seen a vision of what my life can be, that my life matters, that I was born for more than just existing, that, that I've been put here to express the heart of God in a way that will never be seen in any other way unless I live the life that God's given me to live. So they come to the Jordan River, and after a miraculous crossing where Elijah strikes the river with his mantle, and they cross on dry land, and there's a bit of a deja vu that kind of happened in the story previously, didn't it? When Joshua and the children of Israel crossed, and of course, the Red Sea story. So there's a bit of that deja vu, and there always should be some deja vu somewhat in our story, even though God is always doing something new and unique. There is a sense of it being connected to our story. So Elijah finally turns to Elisha, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Ask me anything, and I will give it. Wow, that's quite an offer, isn't it? So what does Elisha ask for? And maybe I should say, maybe I should ask, what would you ask for if this was given to you? Elisha, as we read last week, said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And what was that all about? And Elijah responded, Right away by saying he was, he'd asked for a different difficult thing. But he said, if you're with me when I'm taken, it would be granted. It seemed that there was a general knowledge, especially among the prophetic community, that Elijah's time on earth was done. And the double portion was a term, as they said last Sunday, that, that meant an inheritance. It was an inheritance word. In that culture, when the father died, all the children in the family would inherit this inheritance, this legacy. But the oldest son would get two times the inheritance as everyone else. And it was because he had twice the responsibility. He's responsible for taking care of his widowed mother and for other dependents in the family and, and for managing the general estate of his father. 
So what was, in that context, what was Elisha asking for from Elijah? He wasn't asking for more privileges like an entitled brat. He was asking for more responsibility. Yet he knew that he couldn't give what he didn't have. So he was asking for the blessing and the provision that would be needed for him to be able to take on that responsibility. And like us, God has called us into something that is sustainable and we can't give what we don't have. So it's, it's totally legit to ask for a blessing so that we can be a blessing. It's like the Abrahamic blessing, isn't it? It's got that similar ring to it. It's like Elisha was saying to Elijah, you left the world better than you found it. And I want to do the same. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a part of the story. And on this Canada Day weekend, is this not a reminder of why we've been so blessed as a nation? We've been given a double portion blessing as a country. Not so we can spend more time on Netflix than we already do, but so we can be a blessing to leave our world better than the way we found it, to leave our city and our neighborhoods better than the way we found them. That's part of the story that we're in. Of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. And as I mentioned last week at our last leadership gathering, we were praying together about our church finances that had taken a bit of a hit in the early part of this year. And we sensed that God was inviting us to ask for the same thing that Elisha did. Rather than just having our needs met and making our budget and surviving, how can we actually give and be a blessing? And since that time, there's a couple of tangible ways that have come up. One, Jen Chu, who is part of our congregation, has been giving me regular updates on her activities in distributing food to the marginalized. And the lines at the food banks are growing. She sees them growing while supplies are dwindling. So how could we be a blessing? Well, one thing we, we're going to open up is we're going to start our own little food bank where you can every Sunday or any time you come into our church, you can bring non-perishable food items and just leave them in the bin that we prepared. And we're going to just begin to do this immediately. And secondly, we have a benevolence fund in our church for people who are encountering financial emergencies. And over the last months, just due to the times that we're in, inflation and the pressures of the times, uh, we've drawn heavily on this fund. And we actually need to replenish it so we can help more people as requests come in. So when you give your regular tithes and offerings, we want you to consider giving an additional portion to and just designate benevolence and perhaps consider doing this regularly, like once a month or, or however the Holy Spirit leads you. Maybe do it on the same Sunday that you bring uh, the, the non-perishable food items. So on this Canada Day weekend, we're asking for the double portion blessing so that we can have the provision and the resources to leave our world better than we found it. In our broken and fallen world, it can feel like we're going backwards, not forward, as in the discovery of the unmarked graves last year. But take heart, think of this past year. Think of all that's happened. Think of our own Francis accompanying the indigenous delegation to Rome in April 
and the ensuing apology from Pope Francis in her presence for the Catholic's role in the residential school, which she attended in Lower Post. Think of the Pope's visit this, this month, this very month, July, to Canada as a tangible expression of that apology. So whether we see the results or not, whether we feel like we're going backwards or forward, in the words of that great Catholic writer, Teilhard de Charlene, Chardin, he said this, above all, trust the slower of God. There's a lot of things going on in the work of God. And sometimes what we see and what we want and what we desire is subject to a lot of other things that God is working on. But trust, lean into that slow work of God in our world, in our neighborhoods, and maybe especially in your own life, in your own family, in your own relationships. So happy Canada Day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.